All right, thank you so much, Eric. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you so much to celebrate on this day the graduation of some, the transitions of many others. And Lord, as we think about the many changes that are going to take place in our lives, Lord, would you help us to see them the way you see them? Help us to learn through all of the changes that will be to come. And would you speak to us today as we open up your word? In Jesus' name, amen. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that nothing is quite as certain as change. Right? We're constantly living in a world where things are changing, whether big changes or small changes. Right? We're always experiencing new normals. And today in our passage, we're going to learn about how we can manage and deal with change. Verse 13 of our passage is one of the most misunderstood Bible verses of all time, the MVP of misunderstood Bible verses. And it's often used only for good change when people think about the good things that are going to happen. Right? We think about sports when there's pro athletes before a big game and they they're getting into the finals match and you have someone in the locker room bust out this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can win this game. We're going to win this game. We're going to bring home the gold through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, if you look on Instagram, uh, the most popular hashtag for Philippians 4.13 is a picture of exercise and fitness goals. Right? People usually use this to say, trying to lose weight, trying to lose 20 pounds, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or trying to lift 500 pounds, oh, I can do that through Christ who strengthens me. Right? We usually use this and think about the things that are positive, the things that we're, we're going to do, but we don't really use this verse when we think about when things change for the worse. What if things don't go as well. And isn't that why change is so, uh, so scary? It makes us afraid because we're not so sure if things will actually get better or if things just might get worse. I know a lot of you students who are moving up a year today, maybe you're going to a new school. When I was your age, making the change from elementary school to middle school, I was so afraid. And I remember wondering, am I going to be able to make new friends? Are they going to like me? What if people don't like me? Or even with grades, it's going to be harder. Am I going to be able to get good grades? Or is it going to be just so hard and I'm not going to do very well? And we're worried, we're fearful, we're anxious. We don't know what's going to happen. And this isn't just for students, right? It's for all of us. When we think about parenting, I'm sure coronavirus parenting during this time has changed. Whether for better or for worse, you know. For some of us, our marriages, the time we spend together. Others of us change in employment status, maybe your business, or even your lack of work. Maybe change in health, change in your well-being, change in where you live change in adjusting and living without a loved one 
or maybe a breakup or even changes in our community, in society as a whole. And I know 2020 is an election year, so I'm sure so many of us are also thinking, what are the changes that are gonna be on the other side of that? Right? And that's why change is so scary, it's so uncomfortable and so unfamiliar because sometimes we wonder, what if things get worse? How do we deal with it? How do we manage and handle it? The opposite of fear, anxiety, and worry in many ways is peace and contentment. So how do we get that? That's what we want to look at today. What's the secret of contentment and how can we find contentment in change? Well, the secret of contentment, just right off the bat, I'm going to lay it out and then we're going to unpack it. The secret of contentment is to have the right expectations interpret our changing experiences. It's to have the right expectations for the changes that are going to come in our lives. Right in our passage today, Paul is writing to the Philippian church. And this is a church that is one of the only churches in the beginning of his ministry that is supporting him, that is so concerned and they're giving to him and they're partnering with him and they're doing whatever they can to help him. And so as Paul is, is raising funds, trying to do ministry the Philippian church uh, is, is helping him to do that. And so he thanks them. He thanks them for their concern and their gift, but he also uses this as a teaching opportunity to see how he's thinking about change. And for us, he's going to teach us how we also can deal with change. You see, verse 11 to 12 in our passage it reads, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of, of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I want you to notice that Paul says he's learned, right? He's learned to be content. It's not natural. It's not something that you just have, but it's something that you and I learn. And how did he learn? How did he learn? Paul learns by getting his expectations from God's word. In Philippians chapter two, verses 14 to 16, we have this passage about Paul explaining how we are supposed to be lights in this world? How do we be Christians who we were meant to be in this world? And he says, we do that by verse 16, holding fast to the word of life, holding fast. We have to hold fast to God's word, meaning you got to know it. You've got to be in it. It's got to be affecting you, God's word. Now we can't get into all of these expectations in one sermon, right? That's, that's going to take a long time there's a lot in here that helps us to deal with change, but I just want to share one main thing, one main takeaway for us today. And it has to do with purpose, right? If I asked you, I want you to think about this. What is your primary purpose in life? What's your main goal? And not just maybe what you would say, but how you're living now, what do you think is your main goal in life? I think for some of us, it might be to be happy, right? We want to be happy. For others of us, maybe we want to just make the world a better place. 
But could I ask you to consider that maybe that's not God's main purpose for you. It's not God's main purpose for me. More than making the world a better place, God is concerned with making us better people. And more than our happiness, what matters to God is our holiness. Our primary goal is not happiness, but it's holiness. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, the first part of that verse, he makes this so clear. If you ever had any wonders, what is the will of God for my life? It's so clear. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Basically, you being like Jesus is God's plan for your life. That is his main priority in your life. And when this is our goal, then changes that we don't like so much, instead of becoming an inconvenience, can become an opportunity. And they become an opportunity for us to grow, to become more like Jesus. You see, Paul went through a lot of what can be seen as inconveniences. He says, I know how to be brought low, and boy, did he know how to be brought low. In 2 Corinthians 11, there's a long list, and this is some of it of what Paul's been through. He says he's been put in prison, in jail. He's been beaten up, often almost near death, whipped, stoned, shipwrecked, all sorts of other dangers. He says he has had sleepless nights. He was hungry. He was thirsty, without food and cold, right? That's, that's a lot. And, and to top it off, there's even moments where Paul says he's despaired of even life itself. And this is sort of suicidal language saying, God, life is so hard right now. I'd rather not live. I'd rather not be here. I'd rather be with you. I don't want to keep going through this. But I also imagine that maybe Paul in these moments, what kept him going was verse 13 of Philippians 4. God, this is so hard right now, but I can do all things. I can even do this through Christ who strengthens me. And even now, Paul in Philippians 4, he's writing from prison. Right, the last place any of us would want to be. And he's even saying in that there, that I can even be in prison for the gospel because of Christ who strengthens me. I hope that we can say this too. I think a lot of us during the season of COVID-19, it's tough. But I hope we're able to say, I can endure and go through even this time through Christ who strengthens me. I know a lot of our students, uh, Zoom isn't very fun anymore, right? It's, it's getting a lot more tiring and you're maybe sick of it. And maybe you're, you're getting discouraged and bored and unmotivated. But even during that time, I hope that we can say, I can even do this. I can even keep on studying and working through Zoom because of Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. For those of you who are struggling with your health, our staff, we've been praying for you. And a lot of, uh, there have been a number of people who've gotten cancer. And I can't say, I know I can imagine what that's like, but even the, in the midst of that, I pray that we would be able to get to a place, you would be able to get to a place to say even this, even battling cancer, that we can even do this through Christ who strengthens us. One example for myself, as I think about this, uh, during the coronavirus, 
as we're quarantined at home. Uh, if you're married, you know this can be a stressful, stretching time for some. And Michelle and I, we had one really big argument during uh, this time, and, and, and it, was, it was tough. And, you know, when you're fighting, sometimes you got to fight it out, right? You're just not listening to each other until you're all exhausted. And finally, you're listening and you're talking. And we were sharing, you know, is it supposed to be this hard? Right? It's been three years already that we've been married. And we wondered, is it, doesn't it get easier than this? And for us in that moment, I was thinking, if marriage was just about happiness, and it's easy to just hate these moments, that there's no reason, there's no purpose, no point for these hard moments. But what if marriage is about something more? And in that moment, I think for both of us, we realized, hey, it's worth it because I think God's doing something here and he's making us holy. That marriage isn't just about being happy, it's about being holy. And so even this hard time of fighting, it's worth it. And I can do this. I can even go through this through Christ who strengthens me. Whether it's times of plenty or want, and of course on the flip side, Paul also talks about maybe this is a good season for you. Things have changed for the better. You're abounding. Would you not get too arrogant? Would you not take it for granted? But whether you have plenty or whether you lack, whether you're hungry or whether you're fed, would you be able to go through it all because of Christ who strengthens you? Now, it's easy to just say something like this, like, oh, it'll be okay. But how often do we believe that, right? If someone just said, don't worry, it'll be okay. Don't worry, just expect things to turn out better. I'm sure a lot of us have been on that side, hearing that, thinking, what do you know? Like, who are you to tell me that? And it has everything to do with how much we trust that person, right? If we don't have trust with the person telling us what to expect, then we're not gonna believe them. And the same thing applies here. Now, we could tell you this, but if you don't know and you don't trust in the God who is telling us what to expect, you won't believe it. You won't live it out. You can't avoid change, but you can change how you think about it. And that only happens when you get the gospel and the gospel changes you. You see, Paul can deal with change because he trusts the God who doesn't change. For a lot of us, we're the most calm and at peace and content when we feel like we're in control, right? And when we aren't and things change, that's when we start to get afraid. That's when our anxiety increases, when our sense of control decreases. But while we might not run the world, we can run to God. And he runs the world. And he's in control in the midst of change. And as trust in him increases, our anxieties and our fears, what we're afraid of, decreases. Trust in the one who gives us what to expect in his word. And how do you know this? How do you know this? You can know this because when we were in our sin, not deserving God's pleasure or his grace, when the change that was coming to us was gonna be none other than his wrath, that change on the other side of this life was gonna be hell. 
God decided to do something about it. And he would send Jesus to forgive us our past, present, and our future sins, all of it, so that if he stands in our place, the perfect one, the perfectly righteous son, then God sees us as perfect and how he sees us will never change. Our status before God will never change and our future with God. Oh, that joyous future when things are gonna be so much better in eternity, when our future with God, that'll never change either. You see, in a world of constant change, the secret of contentment is to trust the God who doesn't change, but whose love will change you. It'll change you to become more like Jesus, to be more forgiving, more kind, more compassionate, more loving, even more trusting in him. And so for us practically, what this means how we can grow in our understanding of contentment, just these two things. First, to learn from God's word, and second, to learn from God's people. So first, to learn from God's word, we talked about how earlier in Philippians 2, that we need to be holding on to God's word, holding on tightly, right? Holding his word near and dear to our hearts. How are you doing with that today? I'm sure for many of us, it's, it's challenging, but it's something we need to be clinging on to. A Christian hip-hop artist Lecrae says this, quote, the less time you spend with the truth, the more you'll believe lies. Right? The less time you spend with the truth, the more time you're going to spend believing other voices that aren't true, that are giving you wrong expectations. And so we need to be in God's word consistently and regularly. And if you're spending a whole lot more time doing other things, if you're spending all your time playing games and, and watching the news or uh, on Netflix or social media, then I think we need to at least ask the question, are you being discipled? Are you learning from Jesus? Or are you learning from those other things? I think we need to at least ask us, what is shaping our expectations? We have our summer Bible survey club that has just started. It's not too late to join, but I highly encourage you, if you're free Thursday, night, please, uh, Thursday nights, please join us. We would love to have you there. We also have our summer Bible reading plan that's launching, a 61-day challenge. Would you join us for that too? Let's be in the word together, learning from God's word. Second, learning from God's people. And I think a lot of us, it's easy to say, yeah, I know I have friends at church or I know the people I talk to, but I want to challenge you to, to move towards not just those that you agree with, but the, the people that are different from you. Remember, life isn't about our happiness or our comfort primarily, but it's about our holiness. And as we celebrate today, the next generation, right, moving up, transitioning another grade, another class, right, another life stage, it's on us, especially those of us who are older, it's on us 
to commit to their holiness, to our holiness together, to our change, that we're changing to become more like Jesus. For our college ministry, one thing that we did this past year, uh, we have our college small groups. Small groups are, are already ended. But one of the things we did is say, seniors, you have to join uh, just a Christ Central small group, not a college small group, but a Christ Central small group, a mixed small group. And part of our hope for that is to know that after college, as you enter a new life stage, we want you to be ready because things are going to change and be different. And we want you to have the right expectations. And a lot of times that's best when you have people around you that are already there. We have this one brother. I'm so thankful for him. He joined a, a small group of mainly married men. He's the youngest of that group. Some of them have kids. And at first he was wondering, man, am I going to fit in here? I'm the youngest. I probably have nothing to talk about. But he stuck it out. And he loves that small group. He loves what he's learning, the things that he gets to see about what life looks like when you're married or when you have kids. And it's helping him to, to shape his expectations and to be ready to see things biblically when he's there. So I want to encourage you, be uncomfortable, be willing to be uncomfortable and get to know people different from you and to learn from them. If we don't do that, if we don't move towards one another, especially across generations, if we don't build those bridges, then we might lose one along the way. To conclude our time, I pray that today you learn the secret to being content. Paul in Colossians 1.26 talks about the mystery that was hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to you. That's the gospel. That's God's word. And you have it. I want to end with this quote by G.K. Chesterton. He says, an adventure is only an inconvenience rightly understood. An inconvenience is only an adventure wrongly understood. For all of us, especially those of us who are moving on into a new life stage, would you embrace all of those changes? Welcome to a new season of your adventure in holiness, of your adventure in becoming more like Jesus. Let's pray together. And to pray together as we close out our time, would you join me in praying the Lord's Prayer? Ready, begin. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.